Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Blue Oval Podcast. I am here with Garrett Zatlin. How's it going, man? It's uh, It's been one heck of a week, I think five days, maybe now. Um, just, just a little mentally exhausted, still kind of residually stressed. Uh, I mean, but for you, man, I, I can't imagine it's any different. No, it's been a whirlwind of the last few days. It feels like um, really starting... What was it, Tuesday or Wednesday night when uh, Rudy Gobert and other jazz players were tested uh, for coronavirus and, and two of them were tested positive? It felt it feels like ever since that happened, everything's changed every hour and you keep looking at your phone and there's another there's more news about something getting canceled or uh, whether it's sports or a concert or whatever. And you you re- slowly realize that <laughs> there's probably not going to be many more notifications anymore about that because everything's already closed. Um, and we're talking about NCAA running. And it, it's it's crazy that it's just one small part of obviously the, the, grand, the grand scheme of things. Um, but it's what we know best. And talking about it, even, even in the light of everything that goes on, I feel like that's the best way uh, I think for a lot of us to probably get through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm, I remember kind of seeing how this unfolds first with the Harvard news of those athletes not going, and then suddenly you hear, oh, well, it's going to be limited entry, and then it's going to be only the family, and then no family at all for the spectators, and then kind of going through that whole process. And the ACC and Big Ten is closed, and they're 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 pulling out the national meet. And when I got that text, I actually got a text from from an ACC coach, and they said, hey. Uh, ACC and Big Ten are pulling out, and I, I didn't really know how to believe them. I didn't really know how to process it. I was just like, "Nah, the the, the of the national meet." He's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "You mean tomorrow?" <laughs> He's like, "Yeah, yeah, tomorrow." And I, I just really couldn't believe it. And then once you hear that news, you're it, it becomes the realization of this meet isn't going to happen, um, and and this is a much bigger deal than maybe we really realized. Yeah, it was, I mean, we're just so accustomed to things going on. Like our, we have a sports calendar that we're so used to abiding by. And when like something like NCAAs is in question, we don't even think for a second that it's not ever going to happen until finally when we come to the realization that, oh, it probably is going to get canceled. And then when the news finally hits, it still just sinks in and hits harder than you would imagine. Um, I, I mean, we could, we could start from this. I, I think we just, we were basically saying this, but the reaction to when you heard indoors and outdoors were canceled, um, was that, I mean, I think we all kind of expected that to happen the way things have been going, but when the announcement actually hit, what, what was your feeling? I, a panic, panic, honestly. And it was it was more of a, what, what do we do now? You know? And I mainly, and mainly because it's, it's partly selfish mainly because we have a website that focuses on cross country and track and field at the collegiate level. And now that has solely been canceled. At least other professional, you know, you know, events have been postponed, but now we're left with nothing. And I really began to panic and I began to look at, you know, I, I'd actually taken a half day off from work 
when the news was breaking because I was preparing and helping editing and and creating graphics for all of the previews that we had. And we didn't get to didn't even get to them all when the news broke. And suddenly it was a complete 180, a complete shift in what our our focus was and how we had to report things and 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 our entire schedule had just been completely been put aside. And I, I was panicked, you know, I was a little stressed and, you know, thank God I had that half day. I mean, it was, it was, um, it was just one of those days where I, I, you know, truly just, just struggled to try to put everything into perspective and, and try to realize what really, what was the magnitude. And, um, but for, but for you, man, I mean, it was, this has to be a little more, you know, heavy hitting, especially because you being an athlete who is in his senior year, obviously kind of your you know, your future still kind of, you're still trying to figure that out, but what were your thoughts specifically, especially instantly. And then as time has passed. Yeah. I think right away when the news hit my, my first reaction went to my teammates and my brother, um, both, uh, parties are senior athletes and, uh, my brother's lacrosse player and, um, my team, my senior teammates who, um, especially the ones that I knew weren't going to come back next year, whether it was because of a job or whatever. Uh, for me, I, I was going to be coming back for grad school next year regardless. So, and I was going to run cross country. So the news didn't, I, I guess, affect me as much, um, knowing that I would still be able to use that eligibility. But for the people who can't, that I mean, those were the people I thought of and that those are the people I feel for the most because this is how they wanted to go out. This is how they wanted their season to end. They wanted it to be on their terms and to be able to put down performances and to remember this season in in a way that uh, they were defining, not some other outside cause was defining. And I, I really just feel for them. And it sucks because we as a team were really excited. We had uh, big goals of chasing regional marks, of trying to win a, a conference title, um, and to see all of that just go up in smoke. Um, it was it was really emotional, and it and it was it was shocking. And as we've kind of gotten further away from it, and I think a lot of other athletes are going through the same thing. It's like so. I'm waking up this morning and going for a run and I'm going to go by myself. Probably maybe there's a few other people who I can run with, but like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? And it's, it's running's obviously something that we all love to do, but you suddenly take away like a large part of the meaning of it. And it's so hard to comprehend and, and to keep going. And it's like the running this morning, I was like, I it's it all seems so far away like the fall like that I should be ready for race in two weeks and now I'm gonna be just training on my own or training with a few other people and it like and that's that the reality of that has slowly sunk in over the last few days and um obviously there's the the health of everybody uh in the country and the world is much more important but in our little small running community world it it just feels like the purpose of a lot of the things that we do has been taken away yeah for all the athletes that i've been talking to and and everyone that i had you know spoken to it's pretty heartbreaking you know you just these are athletes that had 
put in everything and all the miles and all the effort and the time and the time and the time and to not even race at the national meet, especially just being there and then not even having a spring season after that, being it taken away, it's just heartbreaking. My, my heart goes out to those athletes and, um, you know, it's, that's, that's gotta be absurdly tough. The seniors, I'm sorry. I, I, you know, I, I personally, I feel kind of, you know, like almost like what, like what could I have done? Right. And there's of course nothing that I could have done or any, anyone could have done um, besides like maybe wash your hands, but like, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, like you, you want to do something and you're trying to find a resolution, but you can't. And uh, it's, it's just really heartbreaking. And I, and I, my heart goes out to all those seniors who, um, you know, may not be coming back. Yeah. And I mean, it, it is terrible that they got so close. A lot of the athletes who were going to compete at NCAA indoors. I mean, it was a day away. A lot of, a lot, pretty much everyone was there. Um, and, and to have it be that close, I I'm sure makes it that much harder to let go. Um, and like you said, there's, there's nothing that we could do about it, but how, how did you feel like the NCAA handled, uh, this situation with whether it was their decision to finally go ahead and cancel everything or what, whether it was their messaging through it all, do you think they handled this the right way? Um, I, I think generally for the most part, yes. I feel like they, they didn't really have a choice. Um, the, the one gripe I guess I'll have is that I, for me, and, and I, and look, I think I may get some backlash here, but the athletes were already at the national meet, you know, they were already in Albuquerque. They were already in New Mexico. The, the meet was a day away. You had already canceled away spectators and, and family. People had spent so much of their you know time and money and taking personal days to go watch their kids at the national championships. I, I was surprised that in that close of an instance that they would cancel it on the spot. I was, I, I was very convinced that on Thursday evening by not having heard anything, excuse me, I had was convinced that the NCAA was going to announce that, Hey, the national championships can happen. And after that, everything's going to be canceled. And I guess I'm just kind of surprised that they didn't let that happen. And, um, you know, it was obviously for everyone's safety and I'm not going to take that away from them. And I, I think, you know, depending on how we look back at this, it was probably warranted. It was probably, you know, necessary, but just, I guess, surprised. Everyone was already there and, and there was already so much time uh, and, and money and effort already put into it. So I, I'm very torn. I'm very, very torn. And, and I, I guess that was the one caveat that I look at. I'm like, hmm. I, I don't know. I thought maybe maybe it could have had it, but still, again, tough to say. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to retroactively and like go back and and say that we they should have canceled it earlier and not let everyone get to Albuquerque. But I I mean, we, the the seriousness in which we're taking the coronavirus has escalated. I think so dramatically in the last three or four days that. A week ago, I, I mean, we were hardly talking about this. I think we had a we were talking about the Olympic team, and I brought up the fact that we might not have an Olympics, but neither of us seemed to think that that was going to be a reality facing any of our sporting competitions here in the U.S. At least not immediately. Um, so it's hard to say that they should have gotten on that early. Um, I think it was the right decision to cancel it. Um, 
it was too i think it's too great of a risk if if only one person had the virus and was positive had tested positive eventually then it just risked so many people um and so I, I think it was the right decision, but I, I wish they could have done it earlier. Like you said, having everyone already there really made it tough. Right. Yeah. And and you bring up a really good point about the, the rapid level of severity that we have begun to consider this, right? Because on Thursday, really prior to Thursday, we hadn't we hadn't really given it that same level of thought and care that maybe we do now. You know, like I can tell you that from now to Thursday, my understanding of, you know, COVID-19 and the way I perceive it is, is, I would say, notably different. You know, the way I interact with everyone and the way I interact in day-to-day activities are different. You know, my both of my towns that I work and live in are under state of emergencies that I'm now beginning to realize just, you know, how severe it was. So yeah, would I have liked to have them, you know, done it earlier? Sure. But I think the general understanding was that this that was at really our, our peak understanding of what of what this kind of is. Um, like I said, I'm torn. I'm not saying it was the wrong decision to cancel it when they did. Um, I think I'm more just surprised that they cancel it, mainly because with everyone was there. But um, just just so much to process and and so much to kind of be torn on. Um, you know, as we kind of you know kind of further digest what what's going on. Yeah, I think this is going to take a really long time for us to process because. Our brains are hardwired to expect the best, I think, and we're we're so conditioned to expect life to be able to move on uh, as we've always lived it. And to have a disruption like this, I, I think it's just so shocking. Um, but I, I think two, two quick th- uh, points about eligibility. I think we've we had a lot of people talking about this. The NCAA, obviously... Uh, put out a statement saying that all spring sport athletes on the D1, D2, D3 level will have uh, an extra season of eligibility. Um, and indoor or the winter sports, so indoor included, are still under consideration. So two questions. Do you think that the NCAA will end up giving indoor? And do you think seniors will, how many, do you think there will be a lot of seniors who actually take the NCAA up on their offer? Um, so one, I don't think they're going to offer indoor eligibility. And if they do, I think it would likely only be to those athletes who are going to be in the championship um, you know, events. So it, I feel like that's probably, if, if any indoor eligibility is going to be given, that's the most likely option. Um, and should that happen, I think that could create incentive for more seniors to come back. But Generally speaking, I don't think that they're going to get indoor eligibility. I just, I just think it's, it's too difficult. Most of the season, most of the winter had passed. Yes, we didn't have the national championships, but you know, for the most part, they got their season in, and it's just, it's really just super, super, super unfortunate timing. Um, more so, how many seniors come back? Well, you know, for the people I've spoken to, obviously the interactions you've had, um, a lot of these, you know, seniors they have post collegiate plans, right? They they already you know have jobs lined up that are tentative on them receiving their degree, um, you know they they can only they can only do so much right. There's always a long term life plan that you're usually trying to figure out at this time by your senior year. I mean I remember around this time I had I had pretty much already locked down my job you know by my senior year. So it, it's 
really it's really unique and it's it's really an interesting situation where despite these athletes getting their eligibility um, I don't see a lot of them using it I would imagine like 95 percent of them probably not using it just because I don't think I yeah. think it's 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 so tough the timeline just doesn't match up yeah, I think I think there will be some, like you said, who do use it. I, I was going to say probably about 10% who will end up using it, but it it's hard to imagine that there's going to be that many people willing to put their life on hold for a whole year. It'd be, it'd be one thing if it was like come back for the fall or whatever, and that was it, and then you, you only used a semester, and then you can kind of get back into the job market and everything, but this is a whole year um, and a very important time in a lot of uh, people's lives when you're 22, 23, 24, whatever, coming out, getting that first job, it's it's very important. And so I agree, it's hard to see a lot of athletes taking that. And those who do though, it, it will be interesting to see why and what they do in terms of education and scholarship and all, all of that. Uh, but in terms of indoor, I, I agree. I don't think there's going to be indoor. I think if you even open the door to athletes who qualified for NCAAs, I think that opens up a lot of other problems. One that I could think of is if like a, a D1 athlete transfers to a D2 school or a D2 to a D3 where they would have run the time to qualify for a certain national championship. And I think there's just way too many things where you could probably you could have athletes petitioning for access to indoor as well. So I think they're just going to go across the board, uh, not allow people to get that indoor eligibility back. Yeah. You bring up a good point. There's too many, there's the, the, the water's too muddy to kind of clear it at this point. It's just, they're going to cancel it. They're going to say, sorry, this is probably just the only, it's just the the way it is and um, move forward with it. So yeah, it's, it's pretty unfortunate. And, um, Man, I, I I don't know, man. Like I I'm still trying to process yeah. it myself, but yeah, I don't I don't think indoor eligibility is going to happen. Yeah, and it's and again, like we can't stress this enough. It sucks, and we it we does. feel for all those athletes who qualified off of running really well. We saw a lot of top athletes run amazing times, and for them not to get the opportunity that they earned at Albuquerque is is truly upsetting. Um, but one thing you mentioned in that article that you put out um, on the stridereport.com, you mentioned the impact on top NCAA athletes. So uh, athletes who could be turning pro after this year, walk us through kind of your thought process on what they're going to be looking at from a professional standpoint um, if they do end up turning pro at the, at the end of this academic year. Right. Yeah. And it's, it's a really difficult kind of balance just because there, there's so much uncertainty right now, but uh, the, basically the way, and some of the highlights that I had in the article is that some of these athletes, you know, who often go pro um, they, a lot of these brands will typically look at the, the resumes of these athletes. And a lot of the times national titles are a massive, massive, massive consideration Um just in terms of, of how contract negotiations work out. So without guys like Joe Klecker, Tyler Day, Devin Dixon, James West, Katie Izzo, Whitney Orton, and Nia Aikens, none of those individuals have 
national titles, at least not team, uh, I'm sorry, at least not individual national titles. So that that could be interesting in terms of when con- we get to contract negotiations. The shoe brands could obviously, you know, they're, they're obviously going to consider it, right? They're obviously going to consider like, hey, look, there was two seasons that were completely washed. You know, how are we, you know, I don't think we can hold them to the same standard. And I would agree. Uh, but but really the one thing I want to talk about is steeplechasers, because, you know, you look at guys like Brian Maraza and Absa Ali and like a few other steeplechasers, you know, maybe somewhere on Bowerman, those athletes, their distance accolades are great, but they're not good enough to get them pro contracts if, we're, if it was just looking at those non-steeplechase accolades, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's really interesting. Steeplechasers are now going to be in a serious spot where it's like, well, how do we, you know, where are there going to be those, you know, those few standout stars that we see every year who really solidify themselves in the spring and make a name for themselves on the national stage? I guess we, I guess we won't, we don't get that, right? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a good point. Um, another name uh, that came that while you're talking about that came up in my head is Jermaine Coleman of EKU, who was second in the steeplechase uh, to Absa Ali, who, um, that was kind of his big breakout race. Um, and without that, it, it's hard to imagine um, what kind of opportunities he would have been afforded otherwise. Um, it's, a, it's an excellent point. And, but I think the same can be said about, we're talking about maybe some like of the 800 guys like Devin Dixon. Like he, he raced, what, two or three times before uh indoor ncaa's and now we're gonna have to basically look at his times from last year when assessing his uh value as a professional athlete which isn't what anybody wants to do they want to be able to point Mm -hmm. to their most recent performances right yeah and and, and the other argument i kind of put in there was that hey maybe the the pro contract market in this case because there's so much uncertainty and it's really difficult to kind of level these athletes you know, with one less kind of caveat or one last condition or, or grading rubric to look at with the national titles, it might it might push kind of like an equilibrium of the market of sorts, right? Mm-hmm. Especially with the, the Olympics, if, if there's any fear that those could be canceled, then the idea that, you know, certain brands are going to be willing to invest in all this money with so much uncertainty and lack of clarity, then you could see, you know, less big money contracts in uh, entering the pro circuit for for collegiate entering the pro circuit so it's kind of interesting in that case um although i I did i did speak to one agent um they were they were telling me that there are still some brands that are you know eager to fill their rosters and and whatnot which is like you know a good sign but um you you just have to wonder you know how how big are those rosters you know how big are those contracts and you know is that going to be the same case for all brands and i'm truthfully i don't know if that's going to be the case or not well, because a lot of the value that an athlete would bring to a sponsor is by making a world or Olympic team. And with no world indoors this year, that being postponed until next year, uh, Olympics in limbo, the earliest a athlete could really make his mark and, and help uh, his brand, it could be another year or year and a half away from now. And so it's hard for me to see um, some big shoe mark shoe deals being done with this uncertainty. And, and maybe some smaller uh, companies will capitalize on that uncertainty and try to swoop in to, to uh, land some of the bigger names. Um, and that could be a way to 
that the market could correct, but it's 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 such an uncertain time that it I you really wouldn't be surprised if a lot of these contracts got pushed off till later. Right. Yeah. It's it's going to be it's definitely going to be interesting. Um. So we'll we'll see what happens there. But uh, it, there's just it really has the cancellations have wide ranging impacts now across kind of all levels now. And it's, you begin to realize that maybe this could permeate the pro market and yeah. um, it's going to, you know, it's going to impact recruiting. Um, you know, it's, it's going to impact a lot of things. So um, it's, it's difficult. It's, it, there's now so much uncertainty and, you know, if those athletes do come back and now it became, you know, there's new questions about scholarships and roster spots and, and, you know, how much does the NCAA allow or not allow? And um, it's, it's a it's a it's a mess that I wouldn't want to have to be responsible for cleaning up. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. Um, so two quick questions before we hit the mailbag. Looking at so if we're gonna fast forward to next year. So when we're looking at cross country for next fall, how how are we going to evaluate uh, cross country teams without really getting to see them? Uh, from March until probably for a lot of athletes, September, you're even October. Right. It's, it's really going to be hard. And I think we're going to just simply have to rely on what we saw last fall and a little bit of what we saw on the indoor track, because without the 10 K you really don't get to see those true long distance runners in the spring. And now we're going to kind of go about a full, you know, six, seven, eight months without, really kind of getting an idea of you know what some of these athletes are capable of in the longer distances and cross-country races it's it's going to be hard you know because a, a majority and i wouldn't say a majority but a lot of the names like if you look back at like our xc top 50 rankings and stuff like that a lot of those guys are, are 10k 5k guys right you know it, it it naturally right that would make sense for all cross-country runners kind of duh but you know, uh, you know, not only do we look at cross-country performances, but we kind of look back at, at the spring and we say, all right, well, this guy clearly has made improvements or there is clearly some consistency that we saw last spring or, you know, this this girl is on a lot of momentum or this girl was clearly so much better over this time period. You know, it, it makes a difference in the way that we perceive it. So I, I don't think that we're going to be able to be as, and I, I don't want to say as precise, but I think naturally us and, and everyone else are simply going to have less background info heading into, you know, our summer rankings and, and things like that. And and who knows what we'll do with our rankings this year and, or when we'll start those or, or anything like that. That's, that's, you know, a topic for another day, but it, it does, I think, slightly take away uh, less scouting material for us. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be fascinating because even if, we're not looking at necessarily track times as the be all end all for what a runner will run in cross country. It's good to see what kind of trajectory they're on. I think someone like Taylor Werner kind of really improved her stock uh, throughout the spring last year. And she obviously translated that to an amazing cross country season, which she then obviously turned into another good tracks, uh, at least indoor track season this year. And I'm sure we would have seen someone else take a big step up like that. And yet we're going to be sitting here not knowing if guy, like uh, men or women are injured, what kind of shape they're in, like, or what kind of trajectory, like if they've taken a big step up, it's going to be, it's going to be so difficult um, for us to, I think, like you said, 
not necessarily precision, but just lacking information. Yeah, yeah, it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be really, really tough. And um, so we'll we'll try our best. But um, I, I can tell you this: we're gonna have to be doing a a lot of research. Yes, um, that's for sure. And, um, and if anyone wants to become our our inside sources, uh, feel free. We are always open and and always willing to chat. You can always email us. Uh, e- excuse me, email us at contact at thestratreport.com. So if you guys have any leads or know of any new talents coming your way or someone's looking great, you can you can always email us. We'll always uh, check our email and I'll always try my best to respond. I have to respond to a few emails after this, but um, yeah, always always happy to, to receive your emails if you guys have any leads. Yes, yes. We, we would love to hear all that information. Um, and so, <laughs> so one other point. if So let's say we do see some seniors come back and we could see some fifth-year or sixth-year runners who normally would have graduated and moved on, could we be seeing the deepest NCAA field ever possibly next spring when we're seeing almost like a double dip of athletes um, where we're looking at like a range of five to six years worth of runners? And could we see faster regional qualifying times? Could we see even better uh, NCAA performances because of this. Um, Maybe I'm making too big of a deal out of this because maybe there just won't be enough runners who come back to make this like a point, but it feels almost like a, like a year where there's like a double draft or wherever, whatever, where there's just going to be a lot more talent around. Um, I think to a limited extent. Yes. Um, I, I, you know, I think a limited extent, I think you're going to have, a few more top tier stars, right? You know, maybe maybe there's, you know, and I'm I'm only just making up names now. Like, let's say Joe Klecker returns, which I don't think he will, and I don't I don't know that I don't have any inside sources, but I'm just throwing out a name. Um, but like if he returns, and you know, let's say like Whitney Orton returns, like who who knows, right? I'm just making up names. I'm just throwing them out there. <laughs> but yeah, it 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 totally it, it totally I think really kind of builds on a top heavy year, you know, like you see a natural cycle of athletes get better. And then the next group follows athletes get better. Seniors dominate and the next group follows. Like it happens every year. Um, But you kind of bring in these athletes who are not only just returning to, you know, kind of defend their national acclaim, but now they're another year older. They've got another block of training under them. Imagine how much faster they could be now. The, the one difference, though, in all this is that I just don't think that many athletes are going to be coming back. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I think most athletes are, are going to recognize their potential for pro contracts this summer, regardless of what the market is like. And I think they're eventually going to go. So I don't really foresee it being that that kind of deal. But what I do see happening is that a lot of long term, you know, a lot of long term, we're going to see a lot of athletes taking, you know, an extra year. They're going to we're going to see them using that extra year of eligibility. And generally speaking, that's just going to make them stronger, faster, and better, right? You just physically mature over a year sometimes if you're still in college, right? You just have another year of training under your belt. Um, and to have that additional year of eligibility to now show that off, I think that's going to kind of roll up per se. Yeah. Um, and, and it's going to kind of eventually, and uh, I put this compound into generally deeper, faster fields across the board. Yeah, that's a good point. I I hadn't thought of that. I mean, we could see the effects of this until like 2023, 2024, really, um, where you're having freshmen who maybe redshirted this spring um, or this or redshirted in the fall or whatever last year 
And now they're going to be on track for six years of eligibility, essentially, if they want it. Um, so that's, yeah, that's, that's an interesting point that we could see the field, uh, at least depth, uh, change within the next few years, even if it doesn't happen next year. Right. Right. And for us, it's going to be difficult to track. It's oh, like, yeah. wait, I thought they graduated. Oh wait, they did it. Wait, but they were a junior, <laughs> but they were a sophomore. Like how does, how does that work? Yeah. Like it's, it's going to be the most maddening thing ever. And trying to keep track of that is, uh, I can't wait, man. <laughs> T- so, Teepers yeah. might not be quite as reliable as we're used to it. Maybe. No, no. So we'll we'll have to see see how that happens. Oh man, more work for us. We're always ready for it. Um. <laughs> uh, so let's transition to the mailbag, Garrett. We got a lot of questions uh, that came in. I think a lot of people had things on their mind with uh, COVID nineteen. Uh, going on and we will try to get to as many of these as we can yeah yeah we'll, we'll try our best um some of them we can't some of them overlapped um so we kind of hit on the same things but um sorry to those who we, who we couldn't get to but generally speaking there, there was just a lot um yeah i knew we were gonna get a lot i didn't think we were gonna get this much so um yeah there you go all right so one of the first things that we got was underground track circuit gonna happen first rule about track club you don't talk about track club and we just broke the first yes. rule about track club yes so, uh yeah. yeah so everybody stay safe that's i think that's all i'm gonna say <laughs> <laughs> yeah um next would you say alamosa's isolation is underrated now since the coronavirus outbreak i don't know who this is uh that's where uh adam state is located, oh so. okay all right yeah um yeah I, I don't i don't know i i guess um i guess ah yeah maybe yeah <laughs> kind of boulder's kind of boulder's kind of like a hip young town provo's got like the the byu brand on it you never know like out maybe alamosa yeah, yeah. try it out sure. <laughs> sure, sure why not right like Although you could go to every other college campus now, that's pretty much uh, yeah. Now it's a ghost yeah. town everywhere. Um, yeah. So yeah. Jeez. Um. All right. How to stay motivated with the uh lack of races coming up? Oh man. Um. You know, I th- it's going to be tough, but I think it's good. It's I think really one thing that I've always found is put yourself into a routine. Um. A routine is is key. Um. So that way, it just feels like part of your day and you know, that way you don't really necessarily have to find motivation. Um, you know, the people, I, I think the, the, the psychological analysis is that, you know, if you do something for two weeks, you can do it, you know, forever or something like that. If you do it, you know, practice it hard. I, I forget what the specifics of it are, but um, yeah, like start, start a routine, re- realize, you know, why you love the sport and realize why you love doing it. Um, and, you know, I, I found that in the times that I've stopped running, it's, um, a lot more difficult just to kind of, you know, get life sorted than when I am running. So uh, I think a lot of people are going to be kind of, you know, facing the same issue um, over the next couple of months. Yeah. Like I said, off the top, it's been a little hard for me to stay motivated, but I think Garrett's spot on. You got to have uh, a routine because it's going to be really easy to sleep in till nine or 10 o'clock. I think for me, uh, if I don't have any practice, don't really have much school. So convincing myself to stay to the routine and uh, keep some kind of end goal, whether it's a 
time trial on my own or with one or two other guys eventually um, to train for so that you're, we're not just waiting for cross country. I think that'll probably be good. Just give yourself some goals. Uh, stay connected with other people, whether it's online or whatever. And I, I think that'll help a lot. Right. Yeah, I think it's all fair points. So how does the coronavirus affect high school athletes in, co- in the college recruiting process? Yeah, so I'm actually going to lump that down um, with, with kind of another question that we had. Um, so I, for those of you who don't know, um, I actually write for milesplit.us. Um, I actually cover their recruiting and their high school to college transitions there. So um, I actually have uh, an article for the night. We're recording this Sunday night. Uh, I believe we're going to have one article on Miles Split out on Monday and uh, another on Wednesday. I'll actually be discussing um, that that whole recruiting process and just kind of give you a brief kind of rundown. But it's going to be difficult. I think, generally speaking, standards are going to change um, in terms of, you know, without a season for, well, it depends on, you know, how certain high schoolers, whether or not they're going to be able to compete. But right now, it doesn't really seem like that. So, you know, basically, standards are going to change and coaches are going to have less scouting. Uh, to look at less times and less resumes to look at, um, especially depending on how far you know this this uh, ceasing of of public events uh, is going to happen. So it, it's difficult to say, um, but a lot of it's going to be there's going to be limited analysis for coaches, and um, you know currently right now there's a there's an NCAA dead period until April fifteenth. So it's going to impact current athletes who are still looking for for those uh, you know final decisions to come in. Uh, in terms of face-to-face contact or campus visits. So um, it's there's just a whole bunch of different facets. I, I kind of talk about it all in the Miles Split article. So be on the lookout for that on, on Monday or Wednesday. Yeah, and, and one other question that we can probably lump in in that was how does the extra outdoor season of eligibility affect recruiting? Um, I think that's probably something that you'll mention, but like, like we talked about earlier, the knock-on effect of – athletes being able to stay around another year um, and take up maybe more resources, not necessarily next year, but in the next two years, um, that could certainly affect the amount of money that certain coaches have. And that's not going to affect every school, obviously, but um, we could perhaps see a little bit of a lower amount of scholarship money available just because there's going to be athletes who maybe are competing in their fifth and sixth year in, a ne- in the next few years. Right. Yeah. And it's, it, it just also gets just, you know, it gets tricky, right? You would think that the NCAA is going to allow for those extra scholarships or our scholarship allocations and roster spots. You would think that's going to happen, but it also becomes a case of like which schools that were kind of already, you know, really struggling financially right. or not really getting a whole lot of financial support you know, what's going to happen with them, especially with travel budgets? Because now if you're going to have an increased roster size, you know, now is going to have some limitations there. You're going to have, you know, six years or people that were supposed to be leaving and now coming back. And now, you know, they're going to get scholarships. And now the freshmen also get scholarships. And and now it's a really, really tricky, difficult balance. And granted, you know, the NCAA, it's a matter of, sure, they're going to grant the extra roster spots. Sure, they're going to grant the additional scholarships. But it's just a matter of if some schools can even financially do that to to begin with, especially with with track not really being a a um, you know it's not really always the best in terms of financial flexibility. So uh, at least for some schools, so um, it's going to be kind of interesting. I discuss all of that in uh, future Milesplit articles. Uh, Milesplit.us. Go check that out uh, Monday and Wednesday. Yes, go read 
Garrett's writing. Always good. Um, high So someone asked about putting together a high school bootleg conference and not sure how to feel about that. Yeah. Like, look, we're, we're not medical professionals. We're not government health officials, you know, but there's a reason generally why everything is getting canceled in mass. You know, my, my thought process is that if the NBA has decided to completely postpone everything, um, you should probably follow suit. And actually, more importantly, I'm literally just looking at my phone right now. The CDC, this came out, I think, about 45 minutes ago. The CDC uh, just uh, declared that um, all events in the U.S. Uh, of 50-plus people uh, are encouraged to be postponed uh, for the next eight weeks. So Eight weeks? It, wow. For eight weeks, yeah. I, I'm literally just looking at that now. So, um so I don't know if that's a mandate. I don't know if that's, you know, recommendation. I imagine it's more of a prob- probably Nopti- more of a strong, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like it's kind of like a optional but also it's like a strong suggestion. Yeah. We'll put it that way. Um I don't I don't really know what that means. I I haven't really looked too far into it, but generally speaking, not a good idea. Because I don't because really for us like, you know, for Ben for you and me and for kids who are in college or high school or middle school whatever it is, really you know it's it's i guess the virus really isn't a concern for us you know the immunity i'm not saying immunity but the our health and generally is pretty strong the numbers favor you know people who aren't you know either on the the tail end of the age spectrum um but it's not really about us right it's yep. about bringing this into you know workplace environments where maybe you know there are elderly people or maybe there are you know individuals who have compromised immune systems or maybe newborns or infants right it's those individuals that i think we got to be worried about and you know god forbid anyone kind of goes to an event and brings that in um that that's pretty problematic so again we're not health professionals we're not health government officials but there's a reason why you shouldn't be doing this um so just just a heads up but you know um it's it's one just one of those things i don't know and we don't want to overload the hospital system as it is. I mean, it, it's going to be, they're going to be busy enough. And us, whether we're contracting it or passing it along, even in our age uh, age range, it's not worth uh, having to take up another bed in a hospital um, or put take away from the time that a doctor or a nurse could be attending to somebody else. So, um Try to try. I know it's hard, especially for a lot of us who running is feels like everything at some times. Uh, there's a bigger picture here. We need to be focused on getting everybody healthy and everybody through this, um, even if we individually could be okay with with it. Um, it's bigger than all of us, so let's focus on that. Yep. Yep. So yeah, my. My uh, my my brother's gonna be coming home soon, and I imagine that there's gonna be a lot more Netflix nights than usual. So, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and and that's okay. Frankly, it's okay. But uh, doesn't mean you can't live live your life. But also, you know, use proper precautions and just understand that it's it's bigger than just kind of the nest to begin with. So, yes, certainly. Um, so one uh, reader and listener put out a theory to solve some of the scholarship issues um if you don't require enrollment then you don't need to worry about scholarship eligibility that's how you give an extra year and don't worry about the scholarship puzzle so basically saying that if i was running for like arkansas for instance 
but I had graduated, I would not have to stay enrolled and take classes at Arkansas to in order to run for Arkansas next year. And that way I wouldn't need a scholarship because I wouldn't be going to school and wouldn't be paying for anything. While it's probably a good idea in theory and might solve some problems, it's going to open up a Pandora's box um, where runners are going to be running for a school that they are not attending and the NCAA is never going to open that up. Oh, see, I, I totally misunderstood this question. Matt, this is interesting. <laughs> I thought they were just saying, well, you don't have to be on scholarship if you're not in school, which oh, is yeah. te- technically what right. they're saying. Yeah. But I thought they were just saying, well, they just just don't go to school. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, I don't I don't really think that's much of an option. But, <laughs> but yeah, okay. So that that that's basically what you're saying. Um, like, yeah, but also no. <laughs> I mean, like, I, no. Um, you know, I, 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 you're, you're not wrong. Like, I'm not saying that this is wrong. I'm also just not, not going to advocate for it either. Yes. In a world where the NCAA is a very fluid and active and proactive organization that can <laughs> uh, shape itself to the needs of its constituents, like we would hope it would maybe this is a idea that could happen but the ncaa is what the ncaa is and there's no way that they will be able to or want to bend the rules in such a dramatic way no yeah i um good idea but probably not gonna happen yeah (laughs) um all right so we 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 mentioned yeah so we mentioned is it a possibility that athletes who qualified for ncaa's will get their eligibility back Possibly, but probably not. Um, do you think that the NCAA will still put on some outdoor races if everything gets better? Well, considering that we literally just had the CDC yep. announce that events 50 plus for the next eight weeks. So what that brings us into into May. So definitely not nope. like I, I never. Gonna, it, was, it wasn't going to happen to begin with, but now it's almost certainly not going to happen. So um, sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, sorry. Yeah. There, it seems like the more information we're getting is the it's not going to get better very soon. So yeah, um, hopefully by the summer. Yeah, yeah, we can we can hope that the summer is going to be all right, but May seems unlikely at this point. Um, all right, two non-coronavirus questions to end on. Thoughts on Let's Run? I can't believe it's taken s- someone this long to ask us about Let's Run. Yeah. Wow. Um. So I look and like I think they're gonna get you know they always get criticism and whether or not that's fair I truthfully I look I mean I'm focused on TSR but um, I will say that the interactions that I've had with with those at Let's Run um, they've always been very nice to us um, I don't have any issues with them um, in fact they've they've often sometimes put out our content there and frankly um, if it hadn't been for Let's Run I, I don't really know if TSR would currently be as as big as it is today um, just because I think a lot of people. A lot of our readers will also sometimes share our tweets or articles on there, which is awfully nice of those readers to do. But um, I, you know, I, I think everyone's going to have an opinion on Let's Run. Um, I'm, I'm thankful for all that they have done to help us grow. Um, but also, I'm, I really don't, I really don't go on there too, too often. I'll, I'll look, I'll peruse through the boards every now and then. But um, I'm, I'm kind of, kind of indifferent, you know. The boards could be a little bit of a cesspool sometimes, um, right. and there's there's obviously problems 
with that kind of format. But I I do like a lot of the things they write, especially on a professional on the professional level. Um, I think Jonathan Galt does a great job doing uh, looking at the professional scene and really getting into certain areas that a lot of other running coverage doesn't necessarily want to. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're, I think they're a, uh, they're a good competitor for us. Um, they certainly make us want to, I think, be better and, um, make sure that we're providing the best content, um, because they've obviously done a good job for a while. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's a fine website. Um, I think that the problems that people have with it are legitimate in some cases. Um, but at the Stride Report, we're just working on making sure our content is the best it can be um, and better than anybody else on the web, right? Right. Yeah, I, I try to I try to segment Let's Run into the actual staff and the yes, actual group there right. versus, versus the boards. I think that's a very important distinction. Yes, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. But no, yeah, I, I, I would uh, mimic those, uh, mirror those same thoughts. All right, last one. We, we have another uh in between race question we we love getting these donovan brazier first craig angles in a 1200 who wins all right we're gonna do one two three uh, three two one yes yes let's do it all right ready three two one angle brazier oh, oh really you went angles well i i thought about i i, oh, I almost almost changed my mind last second but all right so brazier i think is the obvious answer just because of how well he's been running and but he's an 800 guy and i really do think that extra 400 uh, while he has run a good mile time and good 1500 time let's not forget about that he has run really well in that i think angles would just be able to hang with i mean his brazier's going to take this race out from the gun and i think angles is going to be able to keep keep the race within shouting distance until maybe a K and then hopefully be able to just squeeze past him with that extra strength that he has in the last hundred or 200. Yeah. I so strongly disagree. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think like Brazier has run three thirty-seven for the 1500 yep. meters really doesn't do a lot of like significant mileage and then has run one forty-two three four yeah. for the 800 yeah. meters. Like, I just like, you know, the 1500 was already close as it was. And now we're only just getting closer to Brazier. You know, like the 1K he ran, I think recently was, was wildly successful. So like, I, yeah, he ran like two, like, I think he's run 221. So I take that back. So he's run 221, which is still obviously very, very good, but he's so much more, he's capable of so much more. Um, So I, yeah, I'm going to go Brazier on this. I think he's the, the clear answer at 1200. Yeah, I'm not feeling great about my answer, but <laughs> I I'll stick with it. I I think if you ha- if you were betting on this, I think Brazier would be the the clear favorite um going into the race. But hey, you never know. Angles is a good competitor. He's run two eighteen in the thousand, so I don't know. It's true. It's it, it, maybe true. it's a possibility. Angles would be competitive. Yes. Angles would absolutely be competitive. So. All right, well, but that wraps it up for the mailbag, Garrett. Um, this has been an interesting episode. Uh, oh, yeah. I can't remember one where we haven't talked about a race <laughs> ever. Yeah, that's true. Um, that's really true. And I'm sure that, unfortunately, that will be the case 
for a while now um, as we figure out what to do. Um, I think all of us have been brainstorming ideas on what to do for the next few months. Um, obviously, we're not going to go away, um, but it's, it's definitely going to be different now that we're not going to have any races to preview, recap, or analyze. Um, it's going to be a very different uh, scene for us. Yeah. Um, so we're, we're working on a few things. Uh, I've now opened up a uh, COVID-19 coverage page. Um, we're going to enhance that a little bit more as time goes on, but we're going to, you know, post updates there. Um, we'll kind of have a, an article filter, but we'll only post COVID-19 uh, coronavirus for those of you who aren't familiar with the, I think the medical term for it. Um, but we'll kind of be posting all the articles and have an article filter filtered into there. Um, we have some, we have some ideas and just in terms of, you know, how we're tracking things and, and how we're going to post that to the site, that's going to take some time. So that will be on the way. Um, we're going to do some interviews and some op-eds that those are, those are currently in the works and, um, it's, it's going to be difficult. I'm, I'm not going to lie. There might be some, some nights where you don't have new content and, um, we'll, we'll try to keep that as, as, you know, limited as possible, but, um, yeah, we're we're gonna figure it out. We're not going anywhere. I hope. I hope we're not going <laughs> anywhere. And then, uh, and, and but we'll be sure to to get you guys some content. Um, and, and we'll we'll make it work. We we just we just have no other choice but to do so. So, um, so yeah. Yeah, and if you guys have any ideas, thoughts, suggestions, obviously yeah. we're wide open for those. If you're an athlete and you have thoughts, um, like Garrett said, we've been doing. We're planning on doing some interviews and op eds. Um. So we, we want people to have let their voice be heard. This is obviously an unprecedented situation. Um, and for those who, athletes and coaches and whatever uh, who are going through it, this is a it's a perspective that we're probably never going to hear from again um, in a situation like this. So um, it's certainly worth uh, telling if you have a, a story or uh, an opinion on all of this. Sure. Absolutely. So, uh, we'll see, man. Um, this has been one heck of a podcast. Yes. Uh, uh, it's been, we knew it was going to be a, a, a really just a, a sobering one for sure as we try to process everything. But, um, yeah, man, it's, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we'll work things out and, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what the future holds. That we will. And, um, looking forward, I don't know what's ahead, but I know that the running community will band together and that we'll figure this all out together. Um, thoughts and prayers to everyone who this is uh, COVID-19 is affecting. Um, we urge everybody to be smart and to stay safe. Um, and, but Garrett, until we talk to you next time, hopefully we'll have a better idea on what we'll be talking about. But until next time, I will talk to you. I'll talk to you.